Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Alrighty, so uh, today the Supreme Court held session in North Carolina, the state Supreme Court. Uh, they're going to, uh, and they're going to. I think today was the redistricting lawsuit, Harper v. Moore, and then tomorrow is um, voter ID. So of course, leftists are you know fully agitated today uh, and tomorrow. Uh, I'll see about getting some audio from. Uh, it, uh, I think they usually broadcast them on the YouTube. Uh, so I'm, that that. That's what I got planned for tonight. I know. Tons of fun. Going to watch the uh, oral arguments if I can get them, and then I'll bring you the highlights tomorrow. Um, But, oh, also, uh, we've got approval of the the increased riot penalties bill in the General Assembly. It passed this past week while I was out sick. uh, 27 to 16 vote in the Senate, largely along party lines. It creates a potential veto showdown with Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. That, according to the report at WRAL by Laura Leslie, she notes that two years ago, he successfully vetoed a similar measure. But Republican seat gains in the fall elections, combined with some bipartisan support for the bill in the House, raises the possibility of an override this session. Punishments would increase, and there would be a new felony crime for participating in a riot that leads to a death. Democrats are very concerned about this bill, about the increased penalties. They're afraid that if they just happen to be at a riot, and they just happen to be engaging in some riotous activity, that they might actually uh, you know, have a record for the rest of their life. And uh, they, they would prefer not to have that. Now, the obvious answer to me would be don't engage in the rioting behavior, and chances are you're not going to be charged with the rioting behavior. But uh, they're very worried that cops are going to just start, you know, grabbing people up and, and you know, tossing them uh, into the into the uh, police vehicles and throwing them into the uh, clink and just, you know, slapping charges on everybody, uh, these really heavy charges when they don't have any proof whatsoever that the people were engaging in uh, the riotous behavior. Senator Natalie Murdoch from uh, Durham, she's a Democrat because she's from Durham, uh, quote, this bill is not about fixing real problems with our laws. If this bill were to become law, it would have a chilling effect on North Carolinians' First Amendment rights. Well, I don't think it has a chilling effect on the First Amendment rights. I think it might have a chilling effect on, you know, plans for riots. I think that might be chilled somewhat. You're going to think twice. Right, this was the big joke during the summer of love, 2020, when you know they were, yeah, when they were torching government buildings, attempting coup d'etats, trying to you know kill the president of the United States at the White House, burning down a church, whatever. Like when they were doing these things, there was always this sort of joke that they were you know fiery but mostly peaceful because there was the 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 organizers would start their marches at like six or seven o'clock at night, and then they would complain when they turned to violence and they'd say that wasn't us. These are outside agitators. These are the proud boys. These are conservatives. (laughs) These are right wingers. 
they're neo-fascist or what's the uh, 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 white nationalists, right? That's the new one, right? Or Christian nationalists, right? There, so you got all these these right wingers that are responsible. They're the ones coming in under the dare I call it the cloak of night, uh, and they come in and they cause all the riots. They cause all the violence. We were just marching for social justice and change. I mean, we were merely screaming at the top of our lungs through the bullhorn, no justice, no peace. And uh, apparently some people took us seriously and they engaged in the not peace part of the chant. But that was after we left. After we left, we were protesting. We were very clear. We are peaceful, fiery, but mostly peaceful. And uh, and then we all went home. It got dark out. And then all the Proud Boys showed up and they uh, dressed up like uh, Black Bloc Antifa and they burned down police stations and created a Chaz Chop and all of that. If this bill were to become law, she says it would have a chilling effect on First Amendment rights. It automatically increases the risk that protesting could lead to a significant prison time and a felony record that may follow them for the rest of their lives. Uh, Look, if you bash somebody's head in during a riot, I think that should follow you around for the rest of your life. I, I do. I mean, I'm not saying it should define you as a human being for the rest of your life and individually, but yes, that record should follow you because... I mean, yeah, if if you went down and got all riotous and 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 bashed somebody's head in with a brick or something through a Molotov cocktail at police officers, I'm thinking, yeah, that I'm thinking that should probably follow you around. The bill also lets property owners whose businesses are damaged during protests seek compensation against a perp equal to three times the monetary damage. Look, I don't I mean, this would to me, this is a pretty clear line, right? This is a pretty clear line. If I got you dead to rights destroying my business, then I'm going to sue you, right? I got you on tape. I got you on video. Maybe I apprehended you. Maybe police apprehended you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They wouldn't apprehend people during a riot. But no, let's just say maybe, okay, all right, maybe Governor Cooper calls in the National Guard or something. Maybe that happened. And then you you got the guy who was vandalizing your store. You got him. So now you can sue him. And you can, you know, he's probably not going to be able to pay but you got him on the hook for the monetary damage. Now, does that maybe prompt somebody not to steal your stuff? Maybe does somebody think, okay, wait a minute. If I'm going to if I'm going to go loot this TV, that TV might actually end up costing me three times the value. And I'm going to have a record. So maybe I don't want to loot the TV. They got new bond and pretrial release rules for defendants accused of rioting or looting and to keep them in jail for up to 24 hours until a judge sets conditions of release. Bill supporters have complained that otherwise defendants can be released immediately by a magistrate. Yes, that does happen. It absolutely happens. They get picked up. It was happening all the time in Asheville. They, they, were, they were getting picked up at the beginning of the, you know, fiery but mostly peaceful phase, the mostly peaceful phase of the, of the, the riot, and um, they were getting picked up at the beginning as they were starting to incite the violence. They'd get, they'd get picked up. They'd get brought down, they get released, and then they would, they'd be right back out taunting the same cop a couple hours later. One concern cited by some Democrats, as well as social justice and civil rights groups, is that the bill would allow a protester to be jailed and charged with a felony for urging others to riot, even if no riot was underway at the time. So you're urging them to riot. Oh, it's like the Ray Epps. This is like the Ray Epps provision. (laughs) 
So you're urging other people to riot, even if no riot is under. So if you're urging people to riot, but they haven't gotten around to the doing the rioting, they want that to be protected speech. It's a different, looser standard than incitement, and it would be up to law enforcement to draw the line between protesting and urging rioting. Republicans voted down. uh, Yeah, this is going to be in court. Uh, Republicans voted down an amendment by State Senator Natasha Marcus from Mecklenburg, Democrat, to tighten the language in that section. She says the bill violates First Amendment rights of uh, free speech by using overly broad language. If you don't fix it, you'll be triggering years of costly litigation that the taxpayers of North Carolina will have to pay for to defend an unconstitutional law. Well, you know what? Maybe, okay, ACLU of North Carolina, this this seems like a good issue for them to uh, to litigate. So uh, next time you guys get agitated about something, we're going to need you to go down, urge people to riot, and then uh, take that case to court. Please devote lots and lots of resources to fighting that fight. I'd rather you guys do that than the stupid work you're doing on the AC, uh, on the uh, voter ID stuff, for example. So if you could devote your energies to the uh, the anti-riot language there, that'd be fantastic. And then just suck uh, suck up all that money and just, just divert it all away from the voter ID stuff. Roy Cooper's got the, the 10 days to sign the bill or not. So uh, if he doesn't sign it, it just becomes law. If he does, uh, if he does veto it, then it goes back. But, um, and... He has been, he opposed it before. He opposed it before. He's already written more vetoes than every other governor combined in state history. So, like, I anticipate a veto, but who knows? Maybe just let it become law without a veto, without a signature. Because it would be embarrassing to have his own party override his veto on this. Yeah, because yeah, his own party, yeah, he's got it. Yeah, all right. I'll give you their names. Eric says, Pete, the Democrats will sue over the law even if the amendment were adopted, so why would that threat carry any weight? Yeah, exactly. No, it's a good point. Um, you know, Natasha Marcus, state senator from Mecklenburg County, Democrat, um, she's, uh, she says this bill violates First Amendment rights of free speech because it's using overly broad language, and if you don't fix it, you're going to trigger years of litigation. And Eric's point is, is perfectly legitimate, which is it doesn't matter what the law says it the democrats are going to sue over it they their their constellation of left wing activist litigation groups this is what they are built to do to use the courts to advance the progressive agenda that's this is how they fight and so it doesn't matter any you know whether whether her amendment would have passed or not it would not have negated the likelihood of litigation. So Governor Cooper now has 10 days to decide whether to sign this uh, this bill that increases the penalties for rioting in North Carolina. Um, and when he vetoed the last iteration of the bill in 2021, Governor Cooper said legisl- that the legislation was, quote, unnecessary and is intended to intimidate and deter people from exercising their constitutional rights to peacefully protest. Like, this guy is just insulting, right? This is just insulting. It's intended to intimidate and deter people from peacefully protesting. I played the audio from former judge, Democrat State Representative Abe Jones, when this issue was debated last year. And he says, we all know what we're talking about here. 
you're they're tearing through the city. And it's not acceptable. But this idea that we have to coddle what criminals? We have to say, "Oh no, it's okay. You're totally legitimate in, you know, stealing all of the televisions or breaking all of the windows or setting fire to the police cars." Mm, you're so angry, first amendment, yay. Come on now. This is insulting. It's kind of offensive. Like when you realize that the governor is like insulting your intelligence here by saying this. This is the message. is intended to intimidate and deter people from peacefully protesting. No. If you're if you are peacefully protesting, you don't have to worry about being charged for rioting. You know why? Because they're freaking different things. They're different things. Peacefully protesting versus rioting. Rioting actually means something else than protesting. Nine states have passed similar protest laws since June of 2020, according to the International Center for Not-For-Profit Law. Now, one of the problems Roy Cooper is going to have, he's got two choices here. <clears throat> well, I guess three. He could sign the bill. But he, I doubt he will. Um, because, you know, he's insulting our intelligence by saying it's intended to intimidate us and deter us from peacefully protesting. Um so he's going to either veto it or he's going to do nothing, and then it becomes law. So it's not like a pocket veto. It's like a pocket passage. So I suspect uh, that he vetoes. I I do. I don't think he allows it to go. I think he's got to veto because, you know, according to the Democrats, this bill is even worse than the last one that he vetoed. But the case can be made that he will not veto it for this reason. It's got too much support from Democrats. <laughs> And it might make him look weak, like a lame duck governor, which he is, but it might make him look bad. The Prevent Rioting and Civil Disorder Bill was approved by the Senate Rules Committee. And during the public comment portion of the committee's meeting, a left-wing organization called Emancipate NC, name ring a bell, warned one of the lead sponsors of the bill, Representative Shelley Willingham, a Democrat from Edgecombe, that his group would hold Willingham accountable, hold him accountable for sponsoring the bill. Shelley Willingham is a retired cop. Oh, and he's a black man. (laughs) And he is a co-sponsor of this bill. See, this might make it a little bit uncomfortable for Roy Cooper. Kerwin Pittman, a self-proclaimed social justice activist, said during the public comment period, quote, my message is to any Democrats who want to sign on to this type of legislation, make no mistake, we have organized from one end of the state to the other, and you will be held accountable for sponsoring as well as supporting this type of legislation that distinctly targets marginalized communities like Antifa. Yeah, Willingham's like, yeah, no, I'm not threatened. <laughs> I don't care. He's gonna. He was not phased by it, nor should he be. Does the name Emancipate NC ring a bell? It should. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, 
Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. All right, so um, where is it? Where is it in this article? At the Carolina Journal by Alex Baltzagar. Here it is. Shelley Willingham, Democrat from Edgecombe, state senator now, served as a police officer in Washington, D.C., during the late 1960s and early 1970s. I think he has seen some stuff. What do you think? <laughs> I think he has seen some stuff. He is a co-sponsor of this uh, bill that's increasing the penalties on riotous behavior. And he was threatened by Kerwin Pittman, social justice activist from uh, Emancipate NC. Eman- one of Kerwin Pittman's Colleagues in leadership, one of the uh, the people that Emancipate NC has directing its course is the former ACLU of North Carolina's lobbyist who went on that vile, grotesque, pornographic, racist, homophobic tirade on Twitter against me and then like everybody else who who told her that that was offensive and then went after the ACLU and called them all sorts of names, called them white supremacists, and then and then she got fired, and then she like she whipped up the mob against them even more. Yeah, she's she's hooked in with that crowd. This is same organization, Emancipate NC. They are they are for decarceration. No jail time for anybody. We need to get at the trauma that caused that person to commit a trauma on somebody else that they will now not be punished for. So what Shelley Willingham uh, says, first off, he says, um, the reaction to this bill is really not justified. <laughs> the intention, well, that's because it's performative, Senator. It's performative. That's, or uh, representative. He's a state representative. Right? It's a fundraising performance. You've got you to act out the part. He says the intention of this bill is to prohibit people from destroying property, breaking the law, and then not being prosecuted. My background is one in law enforcement. I've been part of demonstrations, but I've also been that person in uniform that's been spit on, hit with bottles and sticks and anything else. My intention is not to discourage people from demonstrating, but hopefully the bill will discourage some of those folks who come out for the wrong reasons. I don't buy the idea that this is racial. The law applies to everybody, not only to the demonstrators, but also to the police officers. Emancipate NC, the organization that Pittman represents, believes that prison is state-sponsored violence. Prison is state-sponsored violence. We are all complicit in its harms. That's, that's according to the Emancipate NC website. It also says that uh, Pittman sits on the State Reentry Council Collaborative and the Racial Equity Task Force to Combat Structural Racism in the Criminal Justice System, or as I like to call it, the Retificism, both of which were created uh, by uh, Roy Cooper and uh, uh, also uh, a member of that task force, uh, the same ACLU former lobbyist. That's, that's who she runs with. Oh, Uh, Speaking of uh, riotous behavior, one of the most hotly debated murders from uh, one of Charlotte's most turbulent times went to the state Supreme Court. 
not to determine guilt or innocence, but how much time he sh- uh, the, the defendant should spend in prison. Raekwon Borum, convicted in the fatal shooting of Justin Carr in Charlotte. Michael Gordon's piece at the Charlotte Observer says the state Supreme Court's decision later this year likely will hinge on a subtle distinction, the type of malice that Borum harbored in committing the crime. What the court decides could cut off a third of his sentence. Carr was shot and killed on the night of September 21, 2016, during a large emotional and uh, fiery but mostly peaceful but at times violent demonstration in Uptown Charlotte following the police killing the day before of Keith Lamont Scott, who just for the record had a loaded firearm, would not drop it, and then raised it up on the officers who had drawn their weapons on him. He was shot and killed by a black police officer. And Keith Lamont Scott was black. Shortly before he planned to leave the demonstration on College Street, Justin Carr, a 26-year-old truck driver, called his mom to say the event had been peaceful and he hoped it would bring change. 20 minutes later, he was dead. Police arrested Raekwon Borum and charged him with Carr's murder. While other demonstrators had been chanting Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace, Borum was shouting, F the police. Grip a Glock, shoot back, is what he was chanting. So so this bill, remember, remember that time I was talking about that anti-rioting bill that was getting passed, and there was language in there about inciting a riot, even though it was it, Right, so there you go. When you're chanting something like this, and then somebody does something, right, are you inciting the violence? You're inciting a riot? A friend later testified that Borum made good on his threat. He pulled out a 9mm handgun, aimed it at police that were standing outside of a hotel, and he pulled the trigger. The gun did not go off. So he tried again. And this time, the 21-year-old wildly took aim in the general direction of the police as well as other protesters, and the gun went off. That the killing occurred amid weeks of nightly Keith Scott protests over police violence only intensified the scrutiny for months Some demonstrators blamed police for Carr's killing and said Borum was a scapegoat. I remember the stories, right? This was another version of Blue Anon. Left-wing conspiracy theories that don't get treated as crazy conspiracy theories by media because they come from the left. A Mecklenburg County jury convicted Borum of second-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. You know what? We, we, We really should consider making that illegal. Yeah, like having a gun, if you're a convicted felon, having a gun, like I think that should, we should look at make it, oh, it's already illegal? That's weird. So the, hmm. so the guy, the convicted felon, didn't follow the firearms law. That's weird. He was sentenced to a combined prison term of 290 to 370 months. Under North Carolina law, second-degree murder can be a Class B1 or a B2 felony. And so the B1 has a much heavier sentence. How it gets classified one way or the other depends on the degree of malice that the defendant carried. And during its deliberations, the jury not only had to decide guilt or innocence, but malice as well. Three types of malice were listed on the jury's verdict sheet. 
The top two choices justified the more severe classification, but the third one distinguishes a B2, a lower classification. And so the judge told the jurors that if they found Borum guilty, they had to check one or more of the malice boxes. They checked all three. The Court of Appeals that already heard the case, uh, they said this is all proper. But then a three-judge appellate panel unanimously ruled that the sentencing was ambiguous. Borum's prosecutors had presented evidence to support both the B1 and the B2 class. And so they said the jury had not differentiated between the types of malice, so they checked them all, and because the prosecutors had uh, had suggested you know, either the, the heavier sentence or the lighter one, either way, just, you know, here are the different malices. We're showing you everything. We're throwing it all out there. And the jury was like, yes, to everything. Oh, that's ambiguous. We don't know. When in doubt, according to North Carolina law and court precedent, the decision goes in favor of the defendant. So the three-judge panel ordered the case to be returned to Mecklenburg County for a new sentencing under the lower classification. And that could shave a decade off of his prison sentence he's scheduled for release in 2043 supreme court heard the case will issue a ruling uh i do have a bunch of emails the email is pete at the pete calendar show.com got a bunch of emails they've been accumulating in the uh in the old inbox here so uh, let's clear them out starting with today i'm going to work my way backwards so some of these topics might be from a few days ago but I feel the need to read them because people take the time to write them. So Mitch says, Pete, uh, as a retired state trooper, I think one of the main reasons in law enforcement that DWI arrests are down is due to a reduced amount of officers out patrolling the streets. Recruiting and retention rates are plummeting nationwide, and a lot of the police departments are breaking up enforcement units that used to specialize in DWI enforcement and are now using them to respond to calls for service due to the shortage. Great show as always. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, your service to the state as well. Um, Greg wants to know, where is uh, Mayor Pete Bootygig uh, with all of the, the Charlotte light rail train derailment stuff? That's a good. Well, I mean, if he didn't show up in the Ohio derailment, what chance do we have? I mean, come on. Um, Stan says cats or Keta, whatever you want to call them, they can stay on the same schedule running at greatly reduced speeds. Because uh, they are using the same math that all other government entities use in their budgeting expenditure processes. It works for that, so it'll obviously work for light rail scheduling. Yeah, they're gonna reduce the they're gonna reduce the 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 speed of the light rail trains to thirty five miles an hour, but don't worry, the, the schedules are all gonna stay the same. <laughs> so but well, but if you were running them at forty five miles an hour and now you cut ten miles an hour off, how do they keep the same schedule? It's just Email from Gregory um, regarding the uh, the nuclear topic I did yesterday. Um, wait, so to replace all of our oil and gas usage with nuclear, we would have to triple the current output. That is amazing. That's not that much. The U.S. hasn't built a reactor since Three Mile Island, which means, one, we would already be like France and be off oil decades ago if we hadn't stopped. Two, we can triple our nuclear in short order and be done with it. And three, that oil and gas will be used by the growing countries to modernize at a much cheaper price. And four, some of those same countries would be able to mine without using child labor. Doesn't it make it all really annoying that we didn't do this already? Dumb lefties and the stupid party were running things. What did we expect? 
Um, welcome back, by the way. I was sick uh, end of last week. Glad you're okay. Um, and then he recommends uh, Brian Dean Wright's President's Daily Brief podcast. He did a multi- multiple episode series on what he called Dirty Green Energy, and it was great. Give it a listen. He covered new- numerous parts of the green energy supply chain and how it's terrible. Uh, the child slave labor stuff is the worst, but, you know, the other part's not much better. Um, Rick says, Pete, I uh, love your show. Thank you so much for covering the Canton Mill shutdown. Regarding the last segment uh, on Wednesday where the North Carolina legislature gave the mill $12 million in grant money for natural gas upgrades, that situation was driven by Obama-era EPA regulations. Google the EPA MACT rule, the M-A-C-T rule, which mandated maximum maximum achievable control technology for air pollution controls at paper mills. It was a death knell for coal power generation at many mills. If the state legislature had not approved the grant, it's likely that the mill in Canton would have closed back in 2012. Um, That grant gave the mill a lifeline of six to eight years. The M-A-C-T rule ultimately drove millions of misguided capital towards environmental controls that were unreasonably stringent. Capital dollars that could have been spent in other areas that would have made the mill more sustainable for years to come. I appreciate all you do, and congrats on the weight loss. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Um, oh, and then uh, here is, uh, I got CC'd on an email trying to line up uh, Brent Woodcox to come on the show and talk about Medicaid expansion, but uh, he doesn't want to. Okay. Thanks, Chad. All right, that, that's a wrap for the <laughs> for the show. Enjoyed it as always. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.